group of five, what we're gonna do is we're just gonna talk about the conference winners. Um, we're gonna break down each of the five who we think is gonna win that conference. Um, some of them are gonna be really interesting, especially some of the ones that not a lot of people know about. Maybe we don't know too much about them. I can't say that I've stayed up watching the Conference USA too much, um, but let's get into it. We're going to start with the American Conference. And Liam, who is your pick to win the American? Who do you like? Uh, UC Fast. I'm rolling with UCF. I think they're – I'm not as big on Cincy as other people are. They're not my New Year's Six rep, and neither is UCF for the group of five. If I'm going UCF, priced at plus 400, I think that's a good price – I love Dylan Gabriel, excited, excited to see him throw to Jalen Flash Robinson, who had an electric year last year, and he's an incredible talent, super quick. So I'm just going with UCF, bang on their offense, and a couple slip-ups from Cincy. Andrew, you're the Houston guy. You think Houston's got a chance, or are you just rolling with, uh, rolling with Cincinnati? Does Houston have a chance? I'll give you a clue. Uh, no, um, that's just going to be a straight-up bonds with you. Uh, I'm actually looking more and more into it. I'm actually slowly and liking SMU more than ever. Uh, am I? Is it enough for me to overtake Cincinnati? You know what? I feel like throwing out. A, I feel like throwing out a hot take. I'll go with SMU. I think SMU does have a lot of good returning talent this year. Ulysses Brentley is a really good running back. He led the AAC in rushing last year. I think that's something to think about. They got two really good wide receivers. One of them that Liam even wrote about, you know, Rasheed Rice, nine returning stars on offense, and they were second in the offense. They were second in offense in the AAC last year. Uh, they're going to be really electric to watch. Yeah, screw it. SMU, winner of the American. I can get behind that. If I could just speak on SMU really quick and go off what Andrew was saying, three very good receivers in Danny Gray, Reggie Roberson, Rasheed Rice, then you have Grant Calcaterra returning from retirement. This is a very good offense that should be one of the best passing attacks in the country with a really good running back and Ulysses Benton. I think the defense is also underrated as well. And they got Isaac Slade Montautia, who's a big um, transfer from Oregon. Uh, definitely didn't see his transfer coming at all, but I think he makes a big difference. And Jim Levitt is a guy who's in that defensive coaching staff. That guy's he brings the juice to defenses wherever he goes. So I definitely think that SMU is going to be a contender for sure. Doug, where do you go in the AAC? I'm going to be a lazy one here and I'm going to pick Cincinnati. Um, mainly as much as everybody loves UCF, it's a year one with a new coach and the AAC, the AAC is not a playground for a new coach to just come in and accelerate uh, the rebuild or excel right away. Um, Gus, I do believe, is a great coach, but this year is not his year. It's Cincinnati's year. Like I said, they're returning a lot of talent. Going to be one of the best teams in the country. And just looking at their schedule here, it's not even – it's not difficult for them. So, it's Cincinnati um, – like I said, it's just Notre Dame is probably going to be their one big trip up, but any every other game is winnable. Even Notre Dame is winnable, but it's just like their trip up. So, yeah, I think Cincinnati. I mean, I hate to say it and hate to be vanilla like Doug, but you know, I think they're one of the best teams in the country. Even though they're a Group of Five team, I think they're absolutely loaded. The defense, I 
absolutely love their defense. They might be one of my favorites this year. A secondary is great. Ahmad Gardner, Kobe Bryant, which if you have a name like Kobe Bryant, I mean, come on, man, you're going to be, you're going to be great. Um, that's such a good cornerback duo. Cincinnati, I think one thing that's going to push them over the edge is that Peach Bowl loss. I think a lot of people thought they were going to win that game and they fell short. They've got a chip on their shoulder. I have a lot of guys returning. So a lot of people are going to be playing with that chip on their shoulder, try to get to you know the same bowl and win it or even get to the playoff. I think the way everything's set up, I don't see Cincinnati getting to the college football playoff. Unfortunately, I really hope that someday we see a group of five team get to the college football playoff. Obviously, when it's a 12-team playoff, we'll we'll definitely see it. But with the four-team setup, we definitely won't. Um, I picked Cincinnati as well. So let's go to the funnest conference. Let's go to the Conference USA. Andrew, let's start with you. Who do you think wins the CUSA? Well, it's not going to be Rice, is it? Apparently not. Um, so I'm actually going to give it to UTSA. Actually, I got a low, I got a lot of love for uh, for San Antonio. Got a lot of friends that went to UTSA, so I'm kind of somewhat obligated to say UTSA. But and also, I'm looking at UTSA schedule. It's very winnable to me. Um, there are projections having them winning, you know, possibly win winning the conference at eight and four. I think they could go nine and three, maybe even ten and two on some cases. I mean, they return 21 starters this upcoming season. Think about that, 21 starters. The fact that you're essentially returning your entire team. Uh, I think they're going to get the win over Illinois at Illinois to open up their season. Uh, there, as far as losses that I see uh, at Memphis, maybe at Louisiana Tech, maybe. I think they're going to I think they're going to beat North Texas at the end of the year. You know, a lot of talk for Marshall, but Marshall also has a first year head coach. I'm actually going to give the edge to UTSA. I went with UTSA as well. I'll leave it at that. I think they're absolutely uh, a very underrated team nationally. I think they had a good start last year. Um, I think that they're going to be um, one of the most talked about teams this year in terms of the group of five. I think, yeah, I think they pushed that nine and three, 10 and two level. Uh, Liam, what do you think? I, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, just a quick note on UTSA and the city of San Antonio. Uh, city of San Antonio, if you're listening to this podcast, get UTSA their own football stadium. Get them out of the Alamo Dome as soon as possible. I've been to the Alamo Dome multiple times. It is not a fun stadium to go to. Your parking is terrible. Put it. Put a stadium outside in the La Cantera area of San Antonio, right outside the university. There's plenty of area to go. And also, I'm sorry, but if you live, but if you live on campus on UTSA, it is not worth the 30 minute drive to experience a game at the Alamo Dome. Just want to put it out there. Thank you for that, Andrew. We really appreciate that insight. Liam, let's go to you about the Conference USA. But these fans should go out there and they should support UTSA, despite how poor the Alamo, Alamo Dome is. They need to support these kids. They return a lot of talent. UTSA is my pick to win the Conference USA as well. They're priced at plus 300. Uh, I think this is a very good team that definitely beats Illinois early in the season. They've got a tough defense to play against. They hit hard. Rashad Wisdom, who I've wrote a lot about, hardest hitter in the country. I'll I'll stick to that opinion, and y'all will see it this year. He crushes some bones, and he's playing with a purpose of playing the NFL one day. Uh, and now on offense, Mr. Harris at QB, and then Sincere McCormick at running back. They will run all over you. This is a very good team, and they're going to win a lot of games in the Conference USA. Doug, do you make it unanimous? 
Yes, mainly because I know absolutely nothing about Conference USA outside of the fact that the original thought process behind I was thinking of Florida Atlantic, but then I was looking at their offense from last year and it was poop. And I was looking at UAB and their offense was also not as great. It was good enough, but said there's new blood that's coming in the conference. There's a program upstart. One of the few new programs introduced in NCAA 13. Shout out Eric Sosa. I play this U.S. quarterback, but um, yeah, this is I sheer lack of knowledge. I trust you guys for UTSA, so I'm rolling with UTSA. Insert like a the Looney Tunes Roadrunner soundbite right here, and we'll go on to the next. Maction time. Let's go me, to me. the Mac. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to the MAC. Uh, this is kind of a tough one. There's a, there were some good teams last year in the MAC, but uh, overall, we all know it's going to be a really fun conference to watch. I'm going to go to Doug to start with you. What do you think? I had Miami of Ohio winning the MAC. They returned 19 of 22 starters, and the team won the conference two years ago. Uh, from the limited amount of time that they played football last year. They had they looked pretty decent in two of their games, and then Buffalo is just Buffalo. Buffalo ran the entire conference, so I can't really judge them on that. But in general, returning all that talent, um, though, should the offense should be solid, the defense should be solid. So going with Miami Ohio. Liam, I know you're a, a Maction fan. What's your what's your pick to win the conference? First of all, I'd like to apologize to all those kids playing for Buffalo because they got dealt a terrible hand this season with their coaching staff bailing on them very late into the cycle. That's terrible, and multiple players leaving to go with them. So they are just set up for failure, and that's very unfortunate. But I'm going with Kent State, priced at plus 1,200. I think when you look at the MAC, there's just so many, there's so much randomness. So I like getting the price of Kent State. And I'm picking them over Ball State and Miami of Ohio, who both return a lot of talent. The main reason I'm picking Kent State is because I think they're coached excellently by, by Mr. Lewis. Dustin Crum is a sleeper NFL prospect. You watch the, the throws this guy makes, the accuracy he has. We hope to have him on the podcast soon. He uh, wants to be a rocket scientist. And if you're that intelligent and you play the quarterback position – I will entrust you a lot to make these accurate throws. Marquez Cooper, excellent running back, uh, sophomore year, true sophomore. You got to look out for him to be a potential NFL guy in the future as the Mac churns out NFL talent, whether we realize it or not. Yeah, there's always those guys that kind of appear out of nowhere. Like Corey Davis was one who ended up being a top five pick from the Mac. And a lot of people who didn't really watch, you know, the Mac were kind of like, surprised by that so i i definitely agree with that and dustin crumb is a is a phenomenal quarterback a lot of fun to watch andrew who is your pick i gotta be honest with you i know nothing about the mac so i'm just gonna piggy off of liam and just say kent state good choice i i i got i got i got nothing I, i'm being dizzy i got nothing talk about how you like dustin crumb dustin crumb is a great player there it is 
we're big Dustin Crumb fans here at the transfer portal. Um, I unfortunately did not go with his his team, though. I went with Ball State. Um, this was a really tough call. I'm going kind of a vanilla route here, but I mean, I think their offense just looks too solid on paper. Um, the one issue I do have is the offensive line. They had a lot of issues in pass protection last year. Um, and the secondary was really bad. One of the I think 15 worst in the country. Um, but I do really like their, their quarterback drew Plitt. I would like their offense, the receivers. Um, I think their offense lights it up this year. Uh, they're kind of like an old miss. I don't think their defense is nearly that bad, but I think they're kind of in that position where their offense is just going to outscore people. Um, so yeah, the Mac, I'm definitely going to watch more of it. I would definitely try. Um, I think ball state was one team I watched a lot of, um, which, you know, I don't usually watch the Mac and ball state was fun to watch. I think it could have an even better year next year. Um, let's go to the mountain West. I, Liam, I know you're a big mountain West guy. You you've talked a lot about Nevada. Are they your pick to win? Yeah. Nevada price at plus 400 to win the conference, I think is a ridiculous price. I think that is, that is very generous. They're also totaled at seven and a half wins this year. This is a team I think goes 11 and one or 12 and oh, I looking at a sleeping giant here. It's an article I've got coming up. You've got an NFL starting quarterback and Carson strong paired with other NFL talent, their right tackle, Aaron Frost, uh, Cole Turner at tight end, the six foot six monster that's going to be huge in the red zone. Elijah Cooks returning from injury. He went down after two catches last year, missed the whole year. He's a six foot four receiver that produced a lot for them a few years ago. And then Romeo Dubs, my fifth ranked receiver in the country. That kid is exquisite and he runs like a gazelle as you watch him burn defenses no matter if one guy is trailing them or two or three he's leaving them in the dust um they have a tough schedule they play at cal they play at kansas state they play at boise state that's in their first four games i still think they go four and oh i'm willing to back this team because of the talent they possess on the offense and they return everything at defense they have 11 upperclassmen starters we've got to find guys who are going to step up and create havoc because they didn't create havoc last year, but they were a very solid bent up break defense last year that should improve. So this is a team that I think is so easy to back and obsess over. And they're going to be a whole lot of fun to watch. Some of these throws Carson strong makes it's ridiculous. Yeah, definitely check out Romeo Dubs, uh, the article on our site produced by Liam himself. Um, definitely a good read. Doug, let's go with your pick of the Mountain West. I have San Jose State repeating, mainly because their defense was absolutely amazing. They were able to get to the quarterback pretty easily. They returned a solid linebacking core. Uh, Nick Starkle's back offensively. Um, and I was looking at their schedule, and outside of USC, their biggest game is against Liam's pick, which is Nevada. And Nevada, they have Nevada on the road, so that could be a conference tilt uh, for any sort of positioning in case one of Cincy or Louisiana or Coastal falls apart. It could be a tilt for a potential New Year's Six slot. So go with San Jose State. Oh, yeah. Max, uh, our buddy Max here at the Transfer Portal would definitely be a big fan of that pick. Um, I went with a super hot take. I went with Fresno State. 
Now, I know that a lot of people probably are not picking them, but I think offensively, they're one of the most dangerous offenses in the country. They face Oregon at Austin Stadium week one on September 4th. I don't expect Oregon to run them out of the building. I expect it to be pretty close. I think Oregon's defense is definitely going to be tested. It's going to be tough for Oregon because they play Ohio State the next week. So, But I think Fresno State's going to give them a run for their money. And overall, I think defensively, they look solid. They return a lot of guys. Um, they were one of the best teams in the country at getting at the quarterback. So I think they're going to be you know, right back where they were last year in terms of talent. Production, I think they underachieved last year. Um, and I think their quarterback and their running back and receiver trio is phenomenal. Jalen Cropper is one of the most underrated receivers in the country. I really like him to have a big type of year. Uh, so I'm going Fresno State. Not a New Year's Six pick, but I think they're going to win the conference. Um, Andrew, what's your pick for the Mountain West? San Jose State. Just for the sake that they got 20 returning starters and then Nick Starkle is one of the best quarterbacks in in the conference. But I would like to give a special shout out to Air Force. Air Force had a top five defense in the Mountain West last year, and they're returning eight of the starters, I believe. Uh, I'm also giving a shout out just because I almost went to the Air Force and I got a massive respect for that branch of the military. So go Air Force. I did just want to mention that Nevada was a New Year's Six rep for me. I forgot to mention that I have Nevada playing in a New Year's Six Bowl. Wow. They're going to be the best group of five team. I am. I trust that offense a lot. Well, let's go to the Sun Belt. We talked about it earlier when we were breaking down our top 25. There's a lot of talent, three big teams that have a ton of talent, App State, Coastal, uh, Louisiana. Andrew, let's start with you. Who is your pick to win the Sun Belt? I'm going to go ahead and just say Louisiana. Louisiana Lafayette are returning a lot of starters. Uh, I am not throwing out the idea that they will lose to Texas week one if they somehow beat Texas. I say that like it's a miracle. No, if they do beat Texas, I think it could really set the tone for their season. Uh, And honestly, they probably deserve more national respect, to be honest with you. Yes, they do. They should have made our top 25. Washington should not. But, you know, that's just my humble opinion. Um, Doug, let's go with you with the Sun Belt. Are you picking from those three teams? Are you going a wild card? Where are you going? I'm going with Louisiana. Like Andrew said, they return a lot of starters. I think their only hole that really exists on their team is their um, run defense. I don't think it's necessarily great, but I also don't think that teams can take advantage of a porous run defense enough for it to hurt them in conference play. So Louisiana should win the conference fairly. I wouldn't actually can't say fairly easily because it's actually an amazing conference, more competitive than two of the power five conferences. But I do think Louisiana should win the conference championship game and somehow get stuck in the New Orleans Bowl for some reason because the Sunbelt tie-ins are not great. It's tragic. Yeah, let's give, let's give the Sunbelt some more love. They have a lot of teams that are going to be fun to watch. Uh, Liam, who's your pick? I am rocking with Coastal Carolina, priced at plus 220. I'm going with them over App State due to the quarterback play. I think Grayson McCall is a budding star. He's blossoming into a true talent in the way 
that he is able to command this triple option concept of an offense that they run is is it's it's a masterclass. He runs it so well, and they're super tough to defend. Um, I think they're going to be a really good team. And looking at their defense, Teddy Gallagher, Silas Kelly, those are two of the better linebackers in the country. Treffrey Gunter, who destroyed Zach Wilson at the end of the half last year. That kid has an extremely good work ethic. And the Jordan Strong at, at cornerback, a transfer from Northeast Mississippi Community College, that is another lockdown corner, and their defense is sick. They're going to win a lot of games. Coach Chadwell's probably getting hired after this season by a bigger school. I love this team a lot. I love this conference, and it's hard for me to just pick and highlight one team when there's so much talent out there. I'm going to make one more hot take before we finish this episode off. I'm going to say that Grayson McCall is a Heisman finalist. I think he's going to be in New York. I think he's going to be one of the top five quarterbacks in the country. I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to go top three. I feel like Spencer Rattler is going to win the Heisman. We'll talk about that in a little bit to finish it off. But yeah, I went with you, Liam. I went Coastal Carolina. I think the group of five is powered by Cincinnati and Coastal. I think those are going to be the two teams that potentially go um, into a New Year's Six Bowl. Coastal, I think they finished top 15 in the country at the end of the season. Um, I think they could definitely be a New Year's Six team. I'm not going to put them there just because I don't think they get that respect from the committee, um, which is very unfortunate because Coastal, like you said, is just nasty on defense. And they played with an edge last year, which I think a lot of, you know, group of five teams, they didn't really have that. And for some reason they had that and it fueled them and they just dominated last year. So I, I look for them to win this conference, not handily, because like you said, App State, Louisiana, loaded teams as well. And behind them, I, I, there are some good teams as well, but I think Coastal Carolina comes out on top. Well, let's finish it out with our Heisman picks. Some of us alluded it a little bit. Um, Doug, you mentioned yours briefly but uh who is your pick and why do you have that it's spencer rattler and to make it pretty easy for everybody oklahoma's gonna run their conference spencer rattler finished off the season amazing i think he only threw what, two picks in his last few games compared to double digit touchdowns um with how oklahoma is going to play with mims and a few other breakout receivers it should be a route for Spencer Rattler to win the Heisman. And um, my dark my dark horse, sorry for misspeaking earlier, my dark horse is if USC does follow with our prediction and wins the Pac-12, uh, Slovis would be in my Heisman dark horse because he'd be leading the charge um, at the Pac-12. So Heisman, dark horse, those are my two. Andrew, who's your Heisman winner and your dark horse? My winner is going to be DJ Uagalele from Clemson. I think he is – I think – how would I put him? I think he's a bit of a Pandora's box, as in we already know what he's capable of doing. Now he's going to have the full season under his belt. I think Clemson, they should go 12-0 and this year. Yes, Doug, I'm sorry. They're going to get the win over Georgia. Uh <laughs> But uh, I, I mean, he he in a starts against BC and Notre Dame last year. He averaged almost 400 yards of passing yards in each game, which is spectacular. Uh, so I think he's going to win it. I think Justin Ross is going to give is going to help him out a bunch win that award. Uh, my dark horse for those that I know, 
uh, I still think it's going to be Isaiah Spiller. I really do. The more I watch his tape, the more I love the guy, the more I, the more I love the way that he plays. He runs hard. He's going to be – I think he's really going to solidify himself as a dual-threat guy, even though AM has other uh, running backs that can help fill that void. Uh, are the offensive line that AM's got to make the replacement with, is that a bit of a concern? Yes, a little bit, but I think it'll all gel together. And I think Isaiah Spiller, I think he's going to have a – I'm confident that he's going to have, at worst, an All-American type season. Andrew made his picks a bit known, Isaiah Spiller. He wrote an article about that on our website. Go and check it out and give it some love. Liam, your picks were a little less uh, – I can't I can't say that I know what your picks are. So uh, give us the deets. All right. Um, so I'm not going with Rattler. I'm going with a different quarterback that I expect to have gaudy numbers. Um, in the passing game, I'm going with C.J. Stroud. I do believe Ohio State will have the best passing attack in the country. He is throwing to a bunch of future NFL receivers. They're going to throw all over people. They're going to have fun doing it. So I'm going with Stroud because I think he's just going to put up incredible stats and have you know some, some good wins out there. Um, my dark horse, I went completely off the board because you can't bet Carson Strong at some places. I found Carson Strong at plus 25,000. I think that's a very interesting price for a guy that could lead his team to a 10, 11, 12 win season while it be in the Mountain West. If if there seems to be any slip-ups from any of the top guys somewhere else that opens up room, you talked about uh, Grayson McCall being a potential Heisman finalist. Carson Strong can be that too. Um, again, they're playing in the Mountain West. He has three tough road games early in the season that he could cement his his Heisman campaign and we could build off that as the season progresses. You're throwing to NFL talent and you're like, he's in such a good situation. They are going to throw all over people and he's going to throw 60, 70 yard touchdowns that we obsess over. So I'm going with strong at that price. I think that is way too generous. Well, I don't think he wins it, but like, that's a good bet to make in my opinion. I do think another good bet to make that most people are making is Spencer Rattler. I'm going with Doug on this one. I think that offense definitely sets records. Um, you know, Oklahoma, all they really do at this point is just produce Heisman winning quarterbacks, Kyler Baker. I mean, uh, Jalen Hurts, it was in the conversation. Um, I definitely think Rattler is going to be the next one at Oklahoma. They have tons of talent. They loaded up in the transfer portal. The, like you said, they have a guru in, um, as their head coach and play caller, Lincoln Riley. So I think Oklahoma is potentially a national championship team, maybe not a winner, but I think they could win a playoff game for the first time. Um, and I think Spencer Rattler is going to leave them there. Now my dark horse, I'm going to go a little bit different. All you guys went offense. I'm going a defensive guy. I'm going with Kayvon Thibodeau. I'm going with my guy. Uh, you know, he made it known that that was one of his goals this season. With Tim DeRitter's defensive scheme, I could definitely see it. He's going to be a lot more of a Von Miller kind of guy, which is a guy that Tim DeRitter coached at Texas A&M. Um, a little bit of that 3-4 outside linebacker defensive end hybrid. Um, I could definitely see Kayvon approaching 18, 19 sacks. I think if Oregon gets into the playoff, which I don't expect them to, but if they do expect Kayvon to be in New York as a finalist, I think if they win the Pac-12, they're probably going to lean all the offensive guys. Uh, but I think Kayvon, he's going to be the best defensive player in the country this year. I think he's already widely projected to be that, so it's not really saying anything crazy. Um, but I do think he's going to be the guy um, to potentially be the defensive player, the Manti Teo of sorts, 
um, to be in New York. Um, yeah, that's about it. This was a very long show. So if you stuck around, thank you so much. This was an insanely long and fun, super fun conversation to have with you guys for our first podcast. We promise they won't all be this long, uh, but this was definitely a fun way to kick it off. So thank you so much to everyone who listened and tuned in. If you're watching on YouTube, um, thank you for the support for the transfer portal in the first you know half week here that we've been launched. Um, and we've had our Twitter up. So thank you so much for all that support. We promise we're going to have a lot of awesome content from these guys and myself and from many other people behind the scenes. You'll get to hear from them in upcoming podcast episodes as well. So stay tuned. Thank you so much and have a great rest of your night. Hey, and for our special guest, we now welcome on Latrell Bankston, defense tackle for University of Houston. Uh, I'm joined today also by Doug Latrell. Doug, how are you guys doing today? Latrell, let's start off with you. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. How are you guys doing? Doing really good. Thank you so much for coming on for, to the Transfer Portal podcast. It really means a lot to us. Uh, Doug, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's just great to know one of the future stars in college football, man. Just excited. And he got a really good start over at Iowa State. Good to know that he is now joining our Houston Cougars already. Uh, Latrell, uh, okay, so we're going to go ahead and let's just go ahead and let's just start getting the ball rolling here. Uh, what made you want to go from, you know, Iowa State to Lafayette and then go on to UH? Like, what made you want to come play for the University of Houston Cougars? Well, to start off, uh, Coach Early, uh, he'd been recruiting me from the, from the get-go ever since I went junior college. He's been recruiting me since my freshman year. Me and him had, like, a, a really good relationship the whole time. And then when I was at Iowa State, uh, the scheme there wasn't really my fit. So I just – so me and Coach Early kept contact, you know what I mean? And then uh, when I entered the transfer portal, he was the first one to jump on top of me. And then ever since then, uh, me, I, I just – you know, it's just – I don't know. I, I always had, like, a trust with Coach Early. You know, I think like he can put me into the best place to make it to the NFL. Granted, you put Peyton Turner in there and stuff. And then you get the the history with Ed Oliver in there. And me and him are kind of like the same stature, same style of play. So I believe that I believe that we can uh, I can I can make it to the NFL coming out of Houston. Uh, I love I love hearing that. If you could say that you could play like Ed Oliver. Let's let's roll with it. Okay, I'm all, I'm yeah. 100% all behind that. Uh, Doug, let's go over to you. Uh, what's your uh, first thing that you would like to know about uh, Latrell Bankston? Hey, Latrell. Um, so question for me. So going from high school to JUCO to playing at Iowa State, like what was the moment that hit you where you realized that this isn't high school anymore? This is like the next level. Would it be more so like practices or would it be like campus visits or – uh, walk me through like when you realized that this was a whole different level. The biggest thing that changed for me was just the amount of uh, accountability I had to take within like the scheme, uh, showing up on time to a lot of things like coming up early, early, uh, putting an extra time into like my craft. Like I said before, the playbook, and then uh, but the and then the biggest thing was the fans. My first time having like a lot of fans in the stadium when we played um what game was it? I think it might have been an Oklahoma game. Again, our first Oklahoma game, we had like a couple thousand fans in the stadium. 
granted there was the uh, COVID thing, but still, uh, the fan in the stadium, in this atmosphere, the atmosphere in general just took my breath away. And I was like, man, like I really made it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. in junior college and high school, you don't really have that many people there. But at, right. a, at a D1 school with, what, 35 plus thousand people and on campus, and then like, uh, the, the alumni and fans and family coming. It's just a different type of feeling, you know. Then you're on ESPN, CBS, big time like television. It's just like it's just like a whole different feeling. That's actually crazy. Like you know, just going from a couple hundred to a couple thousand to thirty-five, forty k. Like, yeah, that's a culture shock. Like, was, what was the biggest yeah, really crowd? Was. What was the biggest crowd you played before that? Like. It was probably um, high school. The biggest, like, the, before that, it was probably my high school game. It was, uh, in, it was like a little in-town rivalry game, Woodstock and Etowah. We had a couple thousand people there. I'd probably say like two or 3,000. That was a lot of people at the time. I was like, man, this is like the, the craziest game I've ever been a part of. But then, like, junior college, there like a couple hundred people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, right. like, yeah, it, that was, it, it was rough in Juco. Like, people don't really understand, like, Juco is really like the. It's really like the. Have you, like, have you ever seen like the movie The Longest Yard? That's really what Juco was like. Like there was nobody there. A couple. There's a couple people there. You know, I ain't really. Uh, my dad hasn't seen me play football since uh, since high school. So now me coming closer to home, he'd be able to come see me and stuff like that. And I don't know. It's just but like that's the biggest. That was the biggest difference, though. Yeah. All right. Cool. So. How about you explain to us a little bit, like, how you got into JUCO? Like, what was your recruiting process like when you were coming out of high school? Uh, kind of, like, just tell us, like, what the journey was like at that point. Yeah, so um, so coming out like, in high school, I had, um, you know, I had a couple, of, like, big schools talking to me, looking at me. But um, my grades weren't really that, that good, you know, it wasn't up to par. Because, uh, like, I didn't know anything about college football, to be honest with you. I didn't know anything about the recruiting process or nothing like that. I was just playing football just to have fun. But then uh, I got my first offer from a smaller D2 school. Then I got my first Division One offer from, from Kennesaw State and Georgia State. And I was originally committed to Georgia State. And then they had pulled my offer because of grades. Then I, had, then I was committed to Kennesaw State. But then I couldn't attend Kennesaw State because of grades. So... Uh, my former coach from JUCO, Thaddeus Brown, he had came to my school and told me, if uh, if things don't work out, here's my card, and he just called me. And ever since then, I called him, went to junior college, and then I'm up to the, uh, up here at this point. So I assume your grades are in check now, right? Oh, yeah, my grades are really Sweet. good now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not, yeah. I, I just had to throw that in there. That's awesome. It's good to hear. Uh, Doug, uh, I'll let you. I'll let you take the next one. Sure. Um, so you'd mentioned uh, Coach Brown as being like one of the people that helped you out to get you to JUCO and help you move up. Um, have you had any other inspirations off the field, on the field, that helped you become who you are today? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, the biggest, my biggest inspiration is my mother. You know, I lost my mother when I was fifteen. You know, and I always promised her that I was going to give her the the best, you know, just like any other kid would. And then I got her, my dad, 
with their outside of family and stuff. My biggest inspiration is uh, Aaron Donald. He helped me. I watched him a lot coming out of high school. And uh, I believe, like, watching his game and him give me, like, the type of like, – he gave me the confidence, you know, like, undersized D-lineman can make it and be, like, a premier type of player in the in the highest level. And then, um, yeah, but, like, he's, he just really gave me, like, just the confidence, you know, like, you can do what you want to do no matter – Besides what, it's all about technique. It's just having love for the game because that's what I got. I really love football. Like, it's just like football is just like everything. Like, this from lifting weights to watching film, it's just like a, it's like a second part of your life. You know what I mean? Like you got school, family, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, football is like the – kind of like your alter ego, kind of like Superman. Like, it's just like you just got like a – it's like you got like a whole another life. You know what I mean? So like right. so like yeah, I, I'll say besides family and stuff, Aaron Donald is my biggest inspiration. Would you say that that's like who you absolutely try your hardest to model your game after? Yeah, him and Grady Jarrett. Those are the two guys. Awesome. Great choices. Uh, love it. Um what what would you say are the honest expectations for the season? You know, I'm not talking like I'm not talking like straight up like wins and losses, but maybe in terms of like, what do you want to like show out to the world? Because, you know, U of H, I feel like a lot of like big media, they're kind of viewing U of H as like, okay, what happened to like Tom Herman years and Ed Oliver and all that compared to like over the last two years? I mean, is there like a statement that the team wants to put out there saying like, you know, the last two years that you think you saw are really not what U of H football is all about, you know, trying to like, Let's say screw it. Let's say beat since in the AAC championship game. I mean, you know, you know, like what's yeah. the expectation for the year, you know? Honestly, I think the biggest expectation for us is just to just go out there and show everybody like that like we're like we're just here to be like we're we want to be like the team back in 2015, you know what I'm saying? The team that won the Peach Bowl, stuff like that, bring the city back up, you know what I mean? Like this the city of Houston really haven't done anything in a while. You know what I mean? Then you lost, like, you lost J.G. Watt, DeAndre Hopkins, James Harden, you know? We're trying to bring the city back up and um, just, just, like, show people, like, we want to bring back, like, the third war defense, prove to people, like, the defense is here to stay. You know, to bring, like, a different type of vibe and culture to the city of Houston. You know what I mean? Uh, honestly, like, people have been, like, you know what I'm saying? Saying, like, Coach Holgerson's a bad coach and stuff like that. But honestly, like, He's really not like I, I think I really like I think Coach Robinson might be up there with, with like the best head coaches I've ever had, just off of like what he wants, what he expects out of us, how he goes about things and stuff like that, and just like his track record with putting guys into the league, he wins and loss record back in the Big Twelve. It's like we just like like the COVID season been hurting people, you know. So we like they lost players. I wasn't part of the team, but they lost players due to COVID and stuff like that. Payne Turner was hurt for the majority of the season. You know what I mean? I think, like, people really un- un- underestimate the team based off the last couple of years. But this year we're going to show them, like, we can be just as good or even better than the than the 2015 team. I'll tell you one thing. You sound a lot like a Houstonian right now. I mean, yeah. I hate that series. But, like, whenever you came to Houston, you know, I'm not talking about the university. I'm talking about, like, the city. When you came – to the city of Houston, was there something about the city itself that like spoke you to it that made you realize 
yeah, I want to I wanna be here for the foreseeable future. Yeah, you know, um, just the people, the co- like, when I first got here, like, people, like, when I, like, first got, like, my, 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 my apparel, like, my football apparel and stuff, like, the fans here are really, like, dedicated to this team. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, it's really crazy. Like, it really reminds me of, like, Iowa State, because Iowa State don't have a, a professional team in Iowa. So, like, Iowa State and Iowa are, like, their professional teams. But even here, having, like, the Houston Texans, like, Fans here are really dedicated to the scene. Like people come up to me all the time when I'm at like at grocery stores and stuff like that, getting stuff to eat. Like they say, like, how y'all gonna do this year? Uh like we, we're waiting till you see y'all fall out this year, blase, blase, stuff like that. Like it's really like it's kinda like I know it's not like a college town, but like it gave me like college town vibes. And I was like, man, like I like to play, like play with a place where like there's like like just like a lot of pride in it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. Most definitely. Uh, Doug, yeah. let's hear what let's see what you got. Yeah. So just to follow up, like, because I know you went to Iowa State and I was, and then transferring to Houston. Like, how have you adjusted to like both those schools? Like year one and then now. Like, how have you adjusted being the new kid? Like, just trying to, you know, make the team better, coming into new schemes, just trying to. Cause it's a lot for a person coming to a new school. Like I've done it when I went to school, but I mean, you have the added pressure of football, but like, how have you been able to adjust both times? Yeah. Like no matter what, no matter where I go, I always try to be the same person. I always am. I'm goofy, funny, uh, really talkative. You know what I mean? But like, Mm -hmm. and like, I always don't, I want to never want to change my morals based off where I go. You know what I mean? I want to be my true authentic self so, like, my teammates can, like, me and my teammates can build, like, a group of poor. You know what I mean? So, so me adjusting, honestly, me adjusting to, like, new places and going to new places really isn't that hard for me because just, like, my personality and who I am. But um, learning the playbook isn't really that hard either because just off of, like, me learning, like, knowing football and, like, really, like, like I said before, like, really loving the game, uh, I be in my playbook at least like three to four hours, even after like after the fact, watch a film and stuff like that. So like me like getting accustomed and like and just learning like new things and like a new environment, new team, new city, everything really isn't that hard for me to like to like just like wrap my head around. Yeah, so no, like oh go for it. I was gonna say like that work ethic's gonna go a long way, man. Like it's already brought yeah. you this far. It's gonna make you go that next level man like i was reading up i was reading something from draft diamonds where they said like even if you don't get the numbers you at least got the offense like to draw their eyes on you so that way your team like gets the numbers the team actually ends up improving so like that whole making sure that everybody eats man that's what i love about you man yeah so I just want to like tell us a little bit more about like Doug Belk's defense, like uh, as a like as a unit in terms of for the defensive line. Like, how would you describe, uh, like, what technique would you say that you would fit best at, and like how it goes into your benefits, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, so just being being based off like a four three defense, like I can play all like all positions from the zero to the five. You know what I mean? And like uh, I got a lot more freedom down here in Houston than I had at Iowa State. It's just like uh, it's just like it's just a lot of like freedom, you know what I mean? Like of course, like you still got like your gap and stuff like that, but like just off that, like 
technique wise and stuff like you're here to make plays like the d-line here like they choose you and have you here to make plays like they don't want you to be no gap eater they don't want you to be just a single block type guy like like they want you to make plays down here and uh they told me that i was getting recruited down here, uh getting recruited here and that caught my eye a lot you know what i mean and um and just a D-line, man, like, we just got a whole bunch of guys here. Uh, of course, you got Logan Hall, Derek Pierce, David Anini, uh, Elias Bell, Cedric Williams, this, even, like, the guys behind us, like, everybody here, like, everybody here on the D-line can start at a different school. Like, this is how deep and just a deep in depth we are, and just the talent here is just, it's just crazy. Like, if I had to compare our, our D-line, like, we're, like, the – we're up, like, I think we're up there in talent with any other school in the country, honestly. Like, it's, it's really fun, man. It's really fun playing with somebody next to you. Like, yeah, like, I know he's going to do a job and, and blow stuff up and make a play before me. It's like a race. Like, it's like a, like, like a race. Like, we're all trying to get there before, before the next guy, like, with sacks and stuff. We always talk about it in the meeting room, make fun of each other. I love it. Like, this is the most fun I had playing football in a long time, even though I haven't played a game with you guys. Just off like the vibe and the, and just like the relationship we have. I I I never been closer with a group of guys in like a, in a unit in my life. Even from like I would say to go high school, like this is like these guys are like my brothers, man. Like it's like it's crazy. You just thinking like that. You know what I mean? Just so it's here. so it's a very fun like atmosphere that you're currently in, and at the same oh, time, yeah. every, but at the same time, everybody like knows their job, everybody knows their assignment, yeah. and it's just a matter of just putting it all together. Because that's honestly what I really want to hear. Like whenever somebody talks about their team, they're serious enough about football enough to the point where everybody has a good understanding of what they want to perform to as a unit, and at mm-hmm. the same time, they know that they can stay relaxed because they know that they got trust in each other, and that's honestly something that I really like hearing about. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, what is, are there any games that you, are you a take it game by game type of guy or are there games on the calendar this year that you're already like, yeah, I cannot wait for that game. Honestly, I'm a, I'm a game by game guy. Like every game is like a, every game is like a Super Bowl to me. Like I want to go out there and do my best and just, and just wreck it. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. every game. But, um, but just for me, though, like specifically, uh, I would probably say the first game this year, just so I can really prove to, like, the whole country, like, like yeah, like, I'm here to, like, I'm here to show you, like, what I can do. You know what I mean? And then, like, just knowing, like, the, the history, the institution it takes to take out, like, I just want to go out there and just, like, just dominate. So we can just show everybody, like, like Houston, like, the Houston Cougars is one of the best teams in the country. You know what I mean? I think this first game is really, like, it's really, like, the same for everybody here, like, this first game going to dictate like how we are this season. You know what I mean? And, uh, and uh, yeah, that's really it, man. This, really the first game, the first game is a, is really like the most, the motivating game besides like the conference championship. You know what I mean? I already bought my ticket to that game and I'll be honest with you. I cannot remember the last time I've been this excited to, to go to a U of H game. Cause I really do feel yeah. like it's going to be some special. I really do think it's going to, I think it's, Screw it. It'll be better than Georgia Clemson. Let's say it. I mean, yeah. Relax. (laughs) Relax Uh, right there. (laughs) Sorry, Georgia fan here. So. Oh, okay. (laughs) All right. All right, Doug. Uh, What else you got for the man? 
Yeah. Uh, so Latrell, so imagine it's game day, like walk me through your game day routine, like how you get ready, like any sort of last minute adjustments, like, or any sort of other routines or rituals that you do. Game day, uh, every, well, game day, I listen, I really listen to music all day long and my, uh, and my choice of music is different from everybody's. I like to listen to R and B music and, uh, kind of like jazz and pop music. I don't really like getting myself too hyped up. I don't want to throw my psyche off. Uh, get up. I watch, like I said, I watch the Lawrence Taylor highlight and I watch Aaron Donald highlight. Just like, feel like, yeah, like this is like the type of like, type of like, just type of like mood I'm going to be in. You know what I mean? While I'm on the field and just seeing like myself being in their shoes and stuff. You know what I mean? Holding myself up to that expectation. I call my family before the game, tell them I love them. And besides, like, the team thing, I just really sit in my locker, just visualize what I'm going to do, tell myself what I'm going to do, and just go out there and try to perform to the best of my ability. That's really about it, honestly. Yeah, that's pretty good. I just want to follow up. Um, so you said you listen to R&B and jazz. Like, what artists do you listen to, like, just game day or in general? You can also uh, plug anybody's SoundCloud if you want, so... Yeah, uh, I like to listen to um, I like to listen to, like some Frank Ocean. I like mm-hmm. to listen to, like some Mac Miller. Uh, I listen to some Frank Sinatra too. Ooh, yeah, love yeah, like love the love Frank the Frank Sinatra. love the Frank Sinatra plug right there. Yeah, I listen to some Wendell B. He's more of like a uh, local guy back um, back down south in Mississippi. Uh, and um, what was I like to listen to? I listen to a lot of people. Janae Anko. Uh, I don't really like Chris Brown. I don't like Chris Brown. I think kind of. I don't like Chris Brown. New listen, Chris Brown like, or old Chris Brown? New Chris Brown. I like old okay. Chris Brown. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Glad we got that sorted out. <laughs> <laughs> but those are some good choices, though. Like yeah. not the usual choices for game day, but in general, like. It works for you. It's clearly worked because you've been amazing so far, at least yeah, from what I've it. seen. So, yeah, yeah, no. And then, um, any sort of like food, like be game day, or is it more so like the night before? Um, well, typically game days, like they, they people at the team have like a certain food we can eat. Mm-hmm. But if I had, if I had the option to choose what to eat, it'd probably be like a lot of fruit. A lot of fruit, some ice cream. I always like ice cream. Uh, and some type of meat, like probably like chicken. Or if I'm mean a chicken, fish, it'd be fish. I think every time I eat ice cream for a game, I had a good game. So that's what that's really my main one. Like ice cream with uh, Reese cups and some caramel, mm-hmm. caramel drizzle on it. That's my go-to ice cream before games. Tell, tell Dana that I said that you have my approval for you to eat ice cream Reese's and caramel before every game and, and see if he buys it. Yeah. I'm going to let him know. All right. So, uh, de- okay. So Latrell, I was a defensive tackle back in high school. So I feel like you and I are going to have the same answer to this question. What is every, not just defensive tackle, but what is every defensive lineman's like dream play? Game winner sack. Okay, I was thinking of like a tipped interception for a pick six. I mean, that's what I was thinking. Of. It, it never happened. Ah, yeah. 
But uh, that'd be cool. I think that'd be cool. Nah, but a game with a sack. You had it. That's a once in a lifetime. Yeah, I think I pick six be a once in a lifetime thing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You had that game one in sack too. Yeah, I did. That was a crazy thing in my life. That was uh, was the biggest moment of my life. I ain't gonna lie to you. I I will say this: Uh, if I recall correctly, you did sack uh, Sam Ellinger when you were at Iowa State, correct? Yeah, twice. Twice, there you go. That's what I like to hear because uh, how I will say this before I get into this next part. How like Sam Ellinger, he's you know one of the bigger names in college football when he was at Texas and probably opened his mouth a little too much when uh, when they beat Georgia at the Sugar Bowl. So how did it feel to like get that sack on uh, to get the two sacks on him that you got that you got that you were able to get your hands on on this national sorry this nationally wide known player. It was cool. You know what I mean? Like, you don't really get an opportunity to, like, sack like a potential Heisman Trophy winner guy. You know what I mean? And just do it twice. You're like, yeah, like, I'm here. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like an unknown type of guy. And then like, when this unknown guy come out on a national stage and tackle arguably the best player twice, you're like, yeah, like, uh, you're going to film me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just like a – it was a cool – it was a really cool moment. You know, if I ever get the opportunity to sack Tom Brady, that'd be a really cool thing. Or Patrick Mahomes, that'd be really, that'd be a really cool thing to do too. Well, I'm going to, we're going to prelude to that in a little bit here. So the reason why I was asking you about the whole pick six thing and all that is because we're now ending, we're now going to ask six quick fire questions. Yeah. And it's a matter of like, you know, real quick, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, what was the biggest culture shock when you got to the city of Houston? Culture shock, the food, the food, probably the best food I had in my life. I love it. Uh, yeah. That that kind of goes into the next one. What is your favorite Houston food joint so far? Ooh, um, probably Sam's Boat. I like Sam's Boat a lot. Do you want me to recommend you a few? Please, uh, yeah, please. Uh, Waffle Bus. Have you ever been to Waffle Bus? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's top two. That's number two. Uh, that's right behind it. Uh, Brothers Taco House, just right outside U of H. Never been there. I gotta try it. Brothers Taco has it's one of the highest rated taco places in the city. Uh, let's see what else is a good one. Uh, just go to the Heights, and it's like it's like food galore. I work in the Heights, and it's like yeah, I love going out to. Oh, Miko's Hot Chicken. Try out Miko's Hot Chicken when when All you right. find it. Uh, have you been to Whataburger yet? And if so, uh, what, and since you have, what is your go to order there now? I like to eat the honey chicken biscuits. That's my that's my favorite thing to eat there. Ooh, very have good. You, have you yeah. have you have you had a patty melt yet? I have the patty melt, the second best thing on that, in my opinion, on that menu. Oh man, the patty melt's so good. Special. It is special. Love the patty melt. There's there's four there's the if I had to come up with a holy trinity for a Houstonian, it's a patty melt, high school football, and Screw it, barbecue, something like that. Uh, we'll yeah. call it that. Okay, if you if you could have the opportunity to sack any college quarterback this season, who would it be? You know, Ooh. both think about like both what you're already playing in the regular season, potential AAC championship game. I mean, screw it. Let's go ahead, dream big, and uh, let's dream big. And let's say you play a big school in the Fiesta Bowl. One quarterback. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do in conference and out of conference. Uh, in conference, I want to say Desmond Ritter. I really want to sack him really bad. 
besides him, <laughs> I want to say I want to say Spencer Rattler. I never got an opportunity to get him. I want to get him again. I mean, I want to try to get him. I think what makes you, what this, makes you say you won't do it in the NFL? Yeah, that's right. I want to get him right. really bad. Okay. Uh, I mean, you already said Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, too. Uh, who is the current funniest guy in the locker room? Uh, Ruben Unijay. You said that pretty easily. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what does he do that's funny? <laughs> Just him being him. Ruben's the funniest guy I've probably probably met in my life. So he's just so he's like just a goofy guy essentially. He's super goofy. Awesome. Uh, let's see now. What are you currently binging? This is Doug's question, not mine. So I really don't have any judgment towards this whatsoever. Um, in the upper four fifties, four sixties. Oh, binging as in like Netflix. Oh, and... binging. Yeah. Binging. Oh, Gina. Uh, my, favorite, my favorite show to watch is uh, Gina and Georgia. Gina and Georgia is on Netflix, the TV show. No, you got to watch, was... watch it. You got to watch okay, it. Okay, I'll definitely watch it because this is the first time I've yeah. heard it. So definitely watch it. Gina um, and Georgia. Okay, you are on a deserted island, but you can have three things in the world at your possession. What are they? Uh, three things, a knife, a lighter, and some water, and some clean, no, uh, I was like a filter so I can filter out the dirty water. I like the look on Doug's face. No, because, like, I've seen people that have done everything from bring me, like, TVs or bring me, like, cat litter for a pet that they're bringing, but like you had a plan to actually like get off the island. People yeah. me, every single time that we ask, it's like I'm gonna be here a while, so let me just get comfortable. But now nah, you want to go home. I want to go home. So. <laughs> I was right. I'm surprised you ain't say like lumber so you can build a boat and get out of there. <laughs> but islands yeah. usually have trees, though. Yeah. All right, then a saw. Well, then again, you already have you already have the knife. Yeah, exactly. It might it might take a while to cut down the tree, but it'll be worth the time. Okay, uh, Doug, any questions that you got left for Latrell? Gotcha. Um, so do you have, like, any sort of hidden talents, like something that nobody in the world knows or not somebody that outside of your close friends know? Hidden talents? Yeah. Um, do I have a hidden talent? Uh, Don't sell yourself I, short. Yeah, I was trying to think. Hidden talent, Latrell Banks. I'm a real good gamer. People don't really believe that. And I write poetry. Ooh. That's about it. I respect poetry. the poetry part. I, I yeah. as a as a writer, I respect the poetry part. Yeah. What do you usually like game? Like what do you usually play? Do you play like Call of Duty, Fortnite? I'm really good at Fortnite. Really, really good. Ooh. And I'm a really good 2K player. 2K. You know Who do you run? I... Who do I run with? Yeah. I'll use anybody. Is that about, yeah, I go usually go into like the little thing where like you game plan. Yeah, to change like the defensive settings, mm-hmm. and then like I do, I do a lot of trap. I usually trap a lot of guys. It depends on how they play. If I like play you like like part of my time and know how you play, I usually like trap you. I run a two three defense, two three zone, three two zone. I do all type of stuff based off the guy I'm playing. 
Yeah, you'd probably beat me then, because I just <laughs> go up and play and shoot yeah. threes, because I cannot, because as soon as I get in the paint, controls, and they do not work for me, so. Yeah, I'd probably beat you then. You know what, I feel, <laughs> I feel, I feel like maybe potentially bullying one of your teammates right now, who's the worst video gamer on the team that you know of? Ruben Yuna J. So he's the hey. funniest. So he's the funniest. <laughs> Yeah. He's the fu- so what? What is he then? Is he like a sore loser to the point where it's like funny to watch him like rage quit or something? Or like what is it? <laughs> yeah, Ruben's like we play. I play Apex too, and Ruben is. If you have anybody on the team if, if, who who do not play Apex with is Ruben. He's the worst. He's 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 bad at 2K. I killed him in 2K a bunch of times. Like Ruben's just not. He's just not a gamer. <laughs> I'm, sorry, uh, I'm, just... I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can message him and I'm gonna ask if like if all these accusations are true. <laughs> yeah, he probably won't say no, but it's true. <laughs> okay, uh, let's see now, uh, D- uh, Doug. What else? What else you got for him? Because uh, you got anything else? Yeah. Um. So like off day, like after a game, like off day, like what do you try to do to like unwind? Like outside of catching up with like schoolwork and stuff, but like. What do you do to unwind on the off day? Okay, you mentioned you're a gamer, but like, what else? Uh, talk to my like, talk to my people. Light a candle and lay in bed and watch TV. Candle, nice. I'm a big oh, yeah. candle connoisseur. I love candles. That's my. That's like a. That's like a. Like an addiction. I, I don't know why. Big Yankee is candle, it, or is it more so like Bath and Body Works? Bath and Body Works. I respect it. You probably like uh, you probably like the house smelling nice and clean. I actually respect it. I do. Yeah, I do. So I do. I honestly hate using the word, but but I can't think of a better word to use right now. I do have a stadium fetish. I, I think that's a stupid terminology, but like I do like yeah. stadiums a lot. Uh, yeah. You know, and you you already spoke about how you know when you started when you came to Iowa State, you know, and you were just shocked at like the stadiums, the crowds, everything. Based on stadiums that you've already played in, which one did you go into that kind of like left you the most shocked and like the most, you know, your, you know, kind of like that. And it could also be like your favorite stadium that you've ever played into, you know, that sort of thing. AT&T Stadium, when we played in the Big 12 Championship, I went inside the locker room on the field, just looking at the big, like the big jumbotron. That was the greatest, that like, like, like my heart dropped when I went inside that stadium. It was the greatest thing ever. And then uh, besides that, Texas Longhorn Stadium was really nice too. It was huge. Then I saw that big old bull. I saw Earl Campbell. It was a cool. It was it was a really cool experience too. I I'm, uh, I've been to AT and T a few times, and trust me, it the thing looks like a spaceship from from the yeah. outside. So like, yeah. and like, what's crazy is like whenever you whenever you like walk through the gate. It's like the lower section you have to like take it downstairs to get into. So the field yeah. looks like it's so the field looks like it's underground, which is like one yeah. of the more insane things. Uh, are you looking forward to playing an NRG week one? I'm damn thinking about right now. Because it's uh, I think look, I love this city. I love that. The one criticism I'll give NRG is that it gives a really major like rodeo vibe. Like that's the one. Yeah. Thing that's the one thing I'll say about it. And you know what? A lot of people like that. A lot of people don't like it. That's fine with me. But like, 
it, it it's still a stadium that I really enjoy going to. Like whenever I go see a game there, it's I really like it a lot. Yeah, I can't wait to go. I think I went to play in it. All right. Uh, I think that is enough from me personally. Doug, any last questions you got? I am good on my end. Do you have any sort of last minute plugs, Latrell? Nah, just want to plug your Twitter in? I could put your Twitter in in the description. Yeah, what's my what's my where's my Twitter handle? I don't even know. (laughs) I think it's like just your. I think it's just your first initial and your last name. Let me check real quick. Yeah, yeah, Trail Bankston. Trail Bankston. Okay, yep. All right, I'll put that in the description so people can follow you, uh, and now people can watch our highlights, and then we can start having you have conversations with Todd McShay and Mel Kuiper. How's that sound? That sounds cool with me. All right. Hey, Latrell, thank you so much for joining us. It really means a lot to us. Uh, I appreciate you guys. I just want to say I'll be looking forward to seeing you in the opener. I'll be at the Rice game the next week, and I plan on being at the SMU game later in the season. That game, I'm probably – yeah, might be the most excited for that one. I'm really really pumped for that one. Uh, Once once again, hey, Latrell, thank you so much for joining us, man. Thank you, guys. Go Cougs. We're rooting for you, man. Go Cougs. Go Cougs, man. Go Cougs.